yesterday what do you got? <laughs> marked the end. What was? The, why are you laughing? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I, I'm. I'm laughing because I always. I'm, I'm enjoying that about to record Joag kind of feeling. I love. Oh, it. okay. I get, yeah, I get yeah. It every just... week, and it's, you know, <laughs> letting it wash over you. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and I like that I, it caused a little giddy giggle. I exp- I often express uh, my feelings with laughter. It's true. You do do yep. that. All right. Well then, <clears throat> Mark. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yesterday marked the end of my birthday week. Uh, and we celebrated by driving down the shore to go see Further Seems Forever and the Juliana Theory in Asbury Park. Okay. Asbury Park is a really interesting place with some fascinating history. To these it. are you said these were emo bands, yes? Yeah. Because <laughs> they got some emo ass names. Those oh, are yeah. fucking emo as right? fuck band names. Big time. Um, <laughs> anyone who was in the scene back then knows exactly who uh, okay. Juliana Theory and Further Seems Forever are. Um, and it was a delight. Good. Um, good. But yeah, we went to Asbury. Um, and I love Asbury Park. Uh, when Richard, our dear listener and friend yes, Richard, yes. came here and visited with his wife, mm. took them to the beach there. It's really, it's what you think of when you think of like the the beach boardwalks of the east coast in like the early 20th century the coney island stuff you know all of that yep 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 that's what asbury park was and is it was basically made as a copy of you know steeplechase park and all that kind of stuff as many places on the shore kind of were Uh and it still retains a lot of that um and it's it's been through a lot (laughs) over the years um for basically from like the 70s forward it was almost like derelict for a Mm. while it was you know most things were shut down there are two huge buildings um well there were three one they did tear down but there are two huge buildings left there one that was a casino um one that was a convention hall and the convention hall is like very upgraded and all that kind of stuff now. I mean, it looks old and all that kind of stuff retains all of its old charm <laughs> from the outside. It looks just like it did in the 1920s. Beautiful. Um, oh, that is nice. Yeah. The inside, yeah. however, like hosts huge concerts and stuff like that. You know, Demi Lovato played there in August. Um, you know, there's cute little restaurants and shops, great mm. little oyster bar there. Um, and then the casino is like this busted ass, like old frame of a building there's nothing left in it there's murals on the inside and all of that unfortunately um it's super dangerous (laughs) so they've like they just a few months ago closed it to the public so you used to be able to like ride your bike through it walk through look at all that kind of stuff um but they're fixing it up which is kind of a bummer um, so yeah, it was like derelict for a while. It was, you know, uh, uh, sounds like the kind of place that were in the UK, it would be a Weatherspoons by now. <laughs> you you would be hard pressed to turn it into one. It's not really oh, like a. It's not a building. Tim um, from Weatherspoons could do it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's not. It like yeah, it's not really a building. It's really like a frame. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it's a cool spot, and it kind of started to make a comeback, and then Hurricane Sandy hit and did a lot of damage to, like, all of Jersey Shore, and Asbury actually made it out better um, than other places did and was able to reopen 2013, and Good. since then, is almost too nice, because <laughs> the thing about Asbury Park is, like, it's a little creepy, right? like, with that old broken-down casino that, and yeah, all that kind yeah. of stuff, like, it's got a spooky vibe to it nice. that I've always uh-huh. really loved. Um, and one of its dark little features is right by that convention hall in the middle of the boardwalk, uh, where there's a rock bearing a memorial to the SS Morrow Castle. 
And while I've idly read that sign many times, I mean, I have tons of pictures of this sign and everything. For whatever reason, it never really stuck with struck me as like all that interesting until a wayward, weird New Jersey Instagram post alerted me to the fact that it's more than just a tragic shipwreck. It's also a murder mystery. Yes. I'm in. (laughs) The SS Morrow Castle wrecked catastrophically off the shore of Asbury Park on September 8th, 1934. This is like a military ship, yes? Nope. Okay. It's not. Okay, okay. I will get there. Okay. (laughs) I I, I always understood that SS. What does SS stand for? Uh, some... Uh, that's a good question. I know this, and for some reason it isn't coming to my mind, but it does not mean anything military. <laughs> fine, 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 fine. Thank you for putting me yeah. straight on that. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say sailing ship, but I don't think that's actually a thing. Ah, I associate it with the Nazis, mate. That's why Well, I, I had that Nazis. thought. I was like, yes. are you thinking that because of the Nazis? But that is an entirely different kind of SS yeah, than, yeah, yeah. than this. What does it stand for when it's boats? Uh, I'm getting to that. For for the Nazis, it's Schutzstaffel. Sure. The Nazi Protection Squadron. But anyway, we'll 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 circle back. We'll pick that okay. up. We'll put we'll it on circle the circle back side. to what SS yes. means. Um. So yeah. Um. It wrecked on Asbury Park, September eighth, nineteen thirty four. While thousands of horrified but fascinated onlookers watched mm. from the beach near the convention Oof. hall building. And the unable circumstances. Unable to do anything about it. Unable to help. Just right. Yeah. Just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, and the circumstances. <laughs> well, yes, and that definitely comes into play here. Mm. <laughs> um, the circumstances of the tragic fire at the center of the ordeal that took 137 lives are super sus. At best, this is a story of fatal incompetence. Mm. At what worst, it's one of murder and sabotage. Yo. So the ship was built in 1929 at the tail end of the good old Roaring Twenties with all the luxuries expected at the time. And in fact, it had been part of sort of a government program that gave money to these various um, ship lines in order to sort of restore old boats that weren't working well, old ships, obviously. A little bit of foreshadowing here, dear listener. This (sighs) is not the first, uh, this is not the last time during tonight's Jack of All Graves where we will visit the year 1929. Oh, ho. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> shit was going down in that year. Yeah, yeah. Go on, tell me. Sorry, I jumped in. A lot of shit went down famously in 1929. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this uh, this boat was made wonderfully appointed uh, ship in 1929, and its route ran back and forth between Havana, Cuba, and New York City. Mm. And while Cuba was in a time of political upheaval. It was also well known as a swinging hotspot for Americans who wanted to indulge in a little debauchery. Sure. Especially during Prohibition. In fact, maritime law made it so that a ship like the SS Morrow Castle was one of the only places you could legally drink, making cruising an even more appealing pastime for involuntarily sober Americans. That's fucking wild that you banned alcohol. Bro. I know, right? <laughs> I was so thinking as I as I wrote mad. this, I was like, I haven't done a cold open just purely on prohibition, and I should. Because mm. I mean, I've I've often thought that if if alcohol were discovered today, it would it, it would not be legal. Oh yeah, it would be banned immediately. <laughs> a zillion percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, completely. But you know. They're There's banning, a lot of interesting stuff to that history. They're about to ban uh, nitrous oxide over here. They're about to ban fucking laughing gas over here because well, it gets 
Yeah. <laughs> so much by the kids. As I have pointed out several times, those canisters are absolutely everywhere God damn, in London. Yeah. Do, you don't get the same problem over there with no, mattress. No, not though. at all. I have literally never seen a canister <laughs> in America, ever. Uh, First time I ever saw one <laughs> was mm. in London. And then I was like, Jesus Christ, these things are everywhere, even on the train. <laughs> yeah, oh God, yeah. They, they are ubiquitous. Um, yeah. So yeah, they're going to get banned, which is which seems yeah, that's definitely the right move. That'll sort it out. Yeah, I'm sure it's definitely not going to be a problem. Like, yes, great. Idea. It's, 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 they're going to start having to put like whipped cream up on like a locked shelf, like <laughs> yeah. a Sudafed. You know. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it wasn't long though. Obviously, this ship being built in 1929 and actually uh, commissioned in 1930, or like you know, went out in 1930, the Great Depression hit. Um, And this drastically reduced the number of people who could afford a swanky trip to Cuba aboard a luxury liner, even though it was a fairly affordable one considering. It was no Titanic. Yeah, yeah. As such, by 1934, the Morro Castle was largely making its voyages about half full of passengers. And while the ship also carried cargo and made most of its money by actually carrying mail... It wasn't bringing in enough income for the powers that be to pay it that much attention. Thus, it was just shipping around with some very clear design flaws and safety issues that should have been addressed. I see. Like the fact that the outside of the ship was regularly repainted to make it look fresh and new, but not carefully. Which meant that while they had plenty of lifeboats per regulations put into place post-Titanic... Several of those lifeboats were straight up sealed into place with the paint. Yo, so they were completely unusable. That's yeah. not cool. No, just not supposed painted to do that. Them, uh, glued them yeah. to the hull with paint. Fucking exactly. atrocious. Yeah. Uh, do you know, they treated this isn't go ahead. the last <laughs> appalling safety oversight from 1929 that we're going to hear Great. about on this week's Jack of All Grades. It's amazing that. that anyone survived that Fuck period in American in history. Mm. <laughs> It was just, it was a rough go over here mm. for a hot minute. Mm. Uh, great filter. <laughs> yeah. the, they treated the crew abysmally, which meant an incredibly high rate of turnover, which is not what you want when it comes to operating a highly specialized vessel carrying people across the ocean. Sure. Just a bunch of inexperienced dudes picking up odd jobs like, yeah, sure, I can probably boat. How hard could that be? <laughs> <laughs> Conditions were so bad. One crew member, George Alagna, attempted to rally the rest of the crew to strike for their rights, holding up the ship's departure for the voyage. Eventually, he was placated with a raise and better accommodations, but he had firmly placed himself on the officer's shit lists. This will come back around, so remember that. (laughs) Um, And I just want to say outright... There are a lot of different narratives of this story in in which facts differ in small but significant ways. And it's super hard to parse which details are fully factual and what Mm. ones have been embellished or just distorted in the game of, yeah, Mm. (laughs) game of telephone that is history. Um, So I'm going to do my best to differentiate what is known for sure and what is a little hazier. But there's simply no way to get every detail fully right, because even the papers and newsreels of the time have like totally different accounts. So you were going to say something. No. uh, Why? Why would that be? Um, I think because so many people died for one, Um, as we'll get into evidence was destroyed because this ship okay. was 
charred. Like, is it, there is it was just everything a, was just agenda. Um, then is it, is it more or less based? impossible to like okay. go through and like find out what happened in any way because mm. it was all burned to shit. So <laughs> being enough. so destroyed, there's really you know and forensics. Primary being, evidence was scarce. Yes, exactly. Forensics being completely different at that point, you know, yeah, there just wasn't much left mm. to say for sure what happened here. So many people died. It's just, yeah, a lot of <laughs> a lot of ways in which this stuff can get mixed up on top mm-hmm. of like kind of the sensationalism of papers and newsreels at that time as well. Mm-hmm. You know, everything was if you watch there's um, I think I've linked to some of them in the blog. But if you even just go on YouTube and look up newsreels from this um like it's incredible to watch the way they tell these stories and they're like so big and sound sound almost fictional the way that they talk yeah, about yeah, them yeah. um just really sensational so yeah i think a lot of stuff just kind of gets caught up in the mythologizing of it at the time the loss okay. of evidence all of that um, I and there's trust some you things to be i trust you to kind of give give us the best yeah, yeah i'm possible. gonna try to thread that needle yeah yeah, yeah 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 okay and there's stuff like that has like even in the past decade like more stuff has been found and things like that Mm. people have found like footage in their attics and all kinds of stuff like that like yeah so we keep like honestly learning more and more about this even 90 years after it happened nice nice so with that caveat in place here's what happened at around 2:50 a.m. on September 8, 1934, a fire broke out in a locker of a writing closet on the SS Morrow Castle. And a writing closet was where the passengers would just go to sit down and write letters. Sit down, um, jot some shit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Dip a little pen and a little, a little yeah, and, pot um, of ink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm sure some of them still enjoyed doing that. <laughs> uh, according to one source, uh, another fire broke out elsewhere almost simultaneously. Not sure about that. But whether there was one or two fires, it all became one giant one as the whole ship, which was decorated in ornate wood throughout and coated with an oil-based paint, burst into flames. That's going to go right up, isn't it? What? That's going to go right the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this inexperienced crew, you know, because of the high turnover, had no clue what to do, being largely just unprepared for a situation like this, untrained. Mm. Uh, And this resulted in deadly hesitation. It took them too long to attempt to put out the fire. It took them too long to sound the alarms. A couple of the crew people actually going so far as to chastise two women who suggested it, saying that they'd wake the other passengers. Oh my goodness. Which is exactly what the alarm is Well, that's the fucking (laughs) entire point. Would you rather be awake or burned to death? Right, yeah. Um, They took too long calling for help. They didn't stop or turn the ship, which was caught in gale force winds, and that only helped the fire rip through it more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And when things started to get dire, these inexperienced crewmen on a cruise line that treated them like shit felt no obligation to give up their lives to save others, and they simply got the fuck out of there. The passengers had not been given any instructions for what to do in an emergency, and the crew was absolutely no help in guiding them. Now, they were supposed to have been given instructions, just like on modern cruises. If you go on a cruise now, they yeah, will yeah. give you a safety thing beforehand, yeah. tell you what to do yeah. in case of emergency, how to use your it's life jacket, law. blah, 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 blah. Mm. It's the law. Now, it was the law then as well. They did not do this. I see. So <laughs> they lowered half-full lifeboats, 
um, which, you know, wouldn't necessarily have been the death knell, except that <laughs> since the ship wasn't at capacity. But like I said, several of the lifeboats couldn't be lowered at all because they were painted into the boat. Beautiful. So now there weren't enough lifeboats for everyone. And the ones that had been launched were almost entirely full of crew. Only 85 people made it into lifeboats in total. Uh, of how many passengers? Uh, in total, there was over 500. Oh. Yeah. 85 yeah, on yeah. lifeboats. Um, and as people do when the smoke and fire begins to overcome them, they jumped. Yeah, yeah. Well, this worked out for some passengers who were then pulled ashore by onlookers if they made it that far or pulled onto another ship that came to their aid. For others, this ended horribly. Some were chopped to bits by the ship's propellers. Yikes. Gnarly. Some, yeah. <laughs> some yeah. drowned, predictably. Um, but perhaps the most awful thing of all was that some were severely injured or killed by their life vests. Apparently... The life jackets on the SS Moro castle were made of cork. And what you're supposed to do is jump in holding the life jacket and then put it on once you're in the water. Uh, now, the passengers did what any of us untrained yeah, yeah, yeah. would on. do, put it on and hopped over the side and snapped their necks instantly upon oh. landing. Pretty, uh, pretty terrible. Oh man, that's made me right. Oof, put my hand right yeah. in my mouth. Horrible. Yeah, that's a death exactly. vest, isn't it? It's a yeah, it's a death vest. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, the, the lucky ones simply knocked themselves out and hopefully didn't drown. Mm. Uh, and a good chunk of those who didn't di- uh, didn't jump off simply died of smoke inhalation or worse, burned to death. And the ship was so hot everywhere that it was literally like you couldn't stand on the floor. It was just burning straight through like your feet. That is no way to go. That is no no fucking way to go. Yeah, there's really like every single possible way to die on this thing Mm. was awful. There was one story of like, this is another one of those ones that's like, you know, 60 years later, 70 years later, um, someone followed up and went to Cuba to tell these people how their like brother Mm -hmm. had died. Um, because, you know, they, when they sort of got the news of it, their mother like shut down and like, didn't even really tell them exactly what had happened. And this poor young boy who was like 12, I think had like burns all over his body and then went into the salt water and was in that salt water for hours before he finally died. Um, and you know, there was a surviving uh, crew member who had been 17 at the time who had been like talking to him through it and, you know, trying to sort of comfort him and take his mind off it and things like that. And he realized like the kid stopped talking and that's when he realized that he'd finally died. Corey, this is, it's awful. This is is fucking minging mate. I told you this is, it's a lot. Um, So yeah, awful, awful ways to die happening here. And the ship eventually came to arrest smoldering uh, or came to rest a smoldering charred husk on the beach at Asbury Park. And it became a tourist destination in and of itself. The beaches down the shore tend to essentially shut down after Labor Day Mm -hmm. as the tourist season slows and it becomes unprofitable to keep running a business. 
but people were coming in droves to see the wreckage of the SS Morrow Castle, leading business owners to keep their doors open throughout the fall, uh, selling souvenirs of it and all mm. kinds of things. <laughs> um, I want to say this is like different times, but I don't know that this no. wouldn't happen now. No, certainly not. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think they would try to make it like classy. Like they'd be like, oh, you're, we're memorializing Yeah, tea it. towels. Uh, right you know in memory of the victims you know something like that yeah a portion of the proceeds go to the families you know something like that like we'd class it up but we'd do the exact same thing yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) right Uh, but again it's the depression and like these people are like we will (laughs) we'll do what and sell whatever Mm. to make some money uh at this point and so it ended up giving the area a much-needed economic boost at times when Americans everywhere were barely scraping by. And the influx of people was so heavy, they had to change the flow of traffic on the main thoroughfares through Asbury into a sort of circular one-way situation. Because of all uh, the death tourists. Right, yeah. To yeah. accommodate all the death tourists, they had to change it. And it remained that way until the 2000s. So many people flocked there to see this oh, so death the wreck ship. Is still in situ. It's not. No, okay. but the, but it changed the traffic patterns wow. for over yeah. seventy years, which is pretty wild. Dark tourism aside, yes. Let's back up a little and talk about why all this is weird and potentially not just a tragic series of mishaps by the inept. So on the evening of September seventh, nineteen thirty-four few hours before the conflagration, Captain Robert Wilmot was found dead. His onboard physician attributed it to acute indigestion, and later reports referred to it as a heart attack. Okay. What we know is that he had gone to his cabin to have dinner. You don't uh, die of indigestion, sorry. I don't give a fuck if it's right. 1929 or not. Yeah. Like, you know, medicine was barely a science at that point, but like, Mm, come on. (laughs) Old King Cole shit. Uh, And, uh, but he had gone to his cabin. He had had dinner. He began complaining of stomach pain and he died. Mm -hmm. That's what we know about this. Um, But it's hard to truly say what happened because sometime in all this chaos, Wilmot's body was lost. It was to be examined in New York for poison or other such unnatural interventions, Mm. but simply could not be found, perhaps for no other reason than that had been more or less incinerated by the fire. We don't know. (laughs) Um, Let's see. For at least one report, a fire had also broken out earlier that day. Again, this is like, I don't know if this part is true, but the other part of what I'm about to say is. So perhaps a fire had broken out earlier in that day. Um, but had been extinguished without incident. Mm. Wilmot was reportedly shaken, though. He recognized the hallmarks of something intentionally incendiary, and he told his chief officer, William Worms, I'm afraid something is going to happen tonight. I can feel it. So we know he did say that. William Worms survived, and he said that much. Okay. Yeah, he, he final destinationed it, didn't he? He saw it. Yeah, <laughs> right. He didn't, yeah. But not enough to get himself off the ship. Right. Um, he avoided death once, but mm. not again. So he'd already had his suspicions up about George Alagna, the troublemaking radio op- operator who'd nearly shut down the ship with his strike antics. And he had the crew on high alert to make sure that he didn't try anything. But he also wasn't too keen on Alagna's mate in the radio room, 
George White Rogers. This was in part because he worked closely and seemed to be friends with Alagna. But according to an article in the magazine Sea Classics Now, Rogers had done some trickery in which he had fraudulently bluffed the former chief radio officer into resigning so that he could take his job. I see. This is another only appears in one account, so I can't necessarily verify it thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But in other accounts, it was referenced that the captain knew something um, that sort of got uh, Rogers's, you know, hackles up Mm. uh, and meant that, you know, something needed to be dealt with here. Um, So what we do know is that the captain didn't like Rogers or Alagna in part because of Rogers association with Alagna um, and that he had given Rogers a sort of stern talking to about their association before. So the captain dies and his duties are handed down to the wildly unprepared chief officer warms and all of this chaos ensues. He certainly will shortly. <laughs> but um, hey. nicely done. Uh, in the end, only 12 crew members who stayed on the ship survived, among them both Alagna and Rogers. And given the pot stirring Alagna had been involved in, he's pretty much immediately a suspect. While Rogers is hailed as a hero for having put out the distress call and saved lives. Alagna is cleared of wrongdoing and tries to go on living his life. Uh, the New York Times, in an article from March of 1935, six months after the disaster, though, said... Quote, after writing two notes, one of which dealt with the Moro, bleh, Moro Castle disaster in which 124 lives were lost last September 8th, George I. Alagna, 28 years old, first assistant wireless operator on the vessel, unsuccessfully attempted suicide by gas early yesterday morning, according mm. to the police, in the apartment of friends at 3506 72nd Street, Jackson Heights, Queens. Well, I, I first heard about this case 26 minutes ago, right? <laughs> And it was a Lagner. One fucking hundred percent it was him. Well, I'm afraid you're just... wrong, Mark. <laughs> I'm not. You're, you're wrong. Uh, a Lagna had clearly had deep trauma from uh, this situation. Uh, and being accused of being responsible didn't help. Thus, suicide attempt. Jeez, uh, <laughs> right. you dick. <laughs> You're just like the rest of them. <laughs> hey. Uh, I call it like a Caesar. <laughs> George Rogers, the hero of the SS Morrow Castle, had re- returned home to Bayonne, New Jersey, where he first opened a radio repair shop, which turned out to be unsuccessful and then burned down in what police oh. suspected was arson but Hello. couldn't prove. Hmm. He was then recruited to the Bayonne Police Department as a radio operator, operator, where the former seaman, who had been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, got to talking. I've Unlike always a- said that <laughs> if you're involved in one giant fire with loads of fatalities, that's bad luck. But if you're involved in two, then you're starting those fires. That's something I've always said. Yeah, that's just, you know, the wisdom. Two fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> It's like seeing two magpies. Um, in a way. In a way. Unlike Alagna, who seemed to have struggled to come to terms with the event, Rogers loved to talk about the SS Morrow Castle. And eventually, 
he talked way too much, explaining in detail to his lieutenant, Vincent Doyle, how someone could have theoretically started Uh, the fire on the ship. I see. I mean, theoretically in the O.J. Simpson, if I did it. Of course. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, clearly he did it. And this became apparent to his lieutenant, who made the mistake of confronting him about it. Seeing the jig was up, Rogers had to act. So he brought a package to the lieutenant with a fish tank warmer that supposedly needed to be fixed. Which weird New Jersey insists was a perfectly normal thing for a police station radio operator to receive at the (laughs) time, and I'll have to take their word for it. (laughs) So when Doyle turned the warmer on, it immediately exploded, causing him severe injuries, including the loss of several fingers, but not killing him. Rogers was arrested and charged with attempted murder, sentenced to 12 to 20 years in Trenton State Prison, but paroled in 1945 to go fight the Jerry's or whatever. Oh, yeah. He was obviously rejected from serving because he, you know, tried to kill someone among other He's elements. The guy you want on your team. Right. He? Yeah. Among other elements Some of his player. criminal past, hmm. which turned out to include robbery and more arson. Fucking hell. A regular firebug, this guy. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but apparently good intentions counted and they didn't send him back to prison. Hmm. Instead, he went back to Bayonne and opened another unsuccessful radio shop, borrowing over $7,000 from a friend, William Hummel, to keep it afloat, which is a lot of money to lend someone now, let alone in 1952 when this happened. And in 1953, when Hummel decided to move to Florida, he approached Rogers and was like, okay, time to start paying that shit back, man, because I'm out of here. And given everything we know about Rogers, it will come as no (laughs) shock to you that rather (laughs) than... Yeah, rather than come up with a payment plan for his generous pal, once he felt the pressure, he decided to simply do away with the problem. Fuck's sake. Yeah. This guy's a dickhead. He's a giant dickhead. Yeah. Sounds awful. Uh, He went to Hummel's home and bludgeoned him to death along with his adult daughter. Aw, mate. Yeah, just a fucking asshole. This story has fucking got to me, man. This has taken me places. I know. It's horrendous Mm. (laughs) i I told you it was going to be a heavy hitter Mm. um it didn't take long for the cops to figure out it was this knucklehead and he was arrested and convicted for the hummels murder in 1954 sentenced to life for the crime which turned out to be only four years as he died of a brain hemorrhage in 1958 i'm gonna say good yeah since he went in the way that scares me the most Mm. i feel good about that Uh, so we can't be entirely sure if 137 people died because George Rogers didn't want to be caught being shifty at work, seeing as all that evidence was left charred beyond recognition on the beach at Asbury Park. But a lifelong history of crime, a passion for making incendiary devices, and a hair trigger for retaliation make Rogers a fairly likely culprit in one of the worst maritime tragedies in American history. Absolutely beautiful. How much of the story is on that plaque? <laughs> not, not most of that. It merely okay. says, like, that's the thing. That's why I never was like, okay, like, it's just like a shipwreck. I mean, I like a, mm. I like a shipwreck story or whatever, but it never seemed that interesting. It's just like the SS Moro, you know, Moro Castle uh, ran aground here. Onlookers watched people died in a fire. You know, way <laughs> more, not... way more to that tale. Yeah, there's so much more to it than that. 
and it's horrible, but vote core. And this podcast. I mean, you signed up for this. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, (laughs) I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Late last night when we were all in bed. Mrs. O'Leary hung a lantern in the shed, but when the cow kicked it over, she winked her eye and said, it's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Not familiar? You no. don't know about Mrs. O'Leary and her Absolutely shed? Absolutely no fucking clue. But I liked it. That <laughs> should be our new theme tune. It felt good to to uh, mm. perform that for you. That's like a That's a camp song here in America. I mean. Based on a true story? A- Based on true story, do you have like like what's the equivalent of a camp song in the UK? Since camp is not like a thing, camp is not a thing. Um, I mean Sunday school is a thing. Uh, you know, like scout scout songs. Yes, well, scouts is a thing. I mean, Peter goes to Sea Scouts, as you know. Do they sing songs like little? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Sing songs. Um, I mean, we have you know campfire songs, I guess, but. Nah, I, I don't think so. I, I, they, they aren't. They haven't permeated the culture as sure. Mrs. O'Leary clearly has. <laughs> well, and you have like. Or maybe a I'm lot wrong. More... Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, well, I, you, you have know... a lot more songs in general, though. Like, I think as like adults, you go to a pub and like sing things in the UK that like we don't do that here. No, mate, that is this. not the case. Sorry, oh, maybe you I'm are only misinformed. Thinking... I'm thinking Ireland is really the thing. Okay. I know they do this in Northern Ireland because okay. I lived above a pub. For a summer, and uh, lots of drunk men would be singing songs outside. And every time we'd go to the pub, there would be lots of group singing things like well, that. I I I believe that were I to start belting out a song in a pub around here, or London, or Birmingham, or whatever, I would be punched. <laughs> Nobody would join you, huh? Nobody. No. Come on, lads, <laughs> let's have a song. Nah. Uh, okay, I am. And if I somebody else did, I would simply... because I'm thinking of all my Irish I would go to vibes. a different pub, yeah. Fair enough. Um, Belfast is great for that. Great place to go break into song randomly with people. But anyway. Why, yeah, go tell me more about why you decided to serenade me with that song, because I loved it. Uh, I, it came to mind earlier, and I can't. I honestly can't remember why. Um, <laughs> In 100 I th- oh, it was how many just... episodes? This is the first time you've felt <laughs> the impulse <laughs> to, to croon at me. Song. It's true. That is true. I think it's just because, obviously, I did a whole open about fire, uh, about a fire, and we're going to talk some about fire later on. And so I think this is why it came to mind, because do you know that there was, like, a great Chicago fire in, uh, I guess it was the Uh, late 1800s, I think? Yeah, I may have heard of something about that, yes. I mean, I I couldn't give you any detail about it, but yeah. Essentially, there was a fire that like destroyed the entire city of Chicago, like just raised the entire city. Uh, I want to say it was sometime in the 1800s, but well, yeah, I I did not. uh, I didn't look this up before telling you the story before the fire of London. You know, that's true. There was a great fire in London, um, much earlier than the Great Fire of Chicago. 
1600s, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so the city was like raised. The folklore around that, which I think is not a real thing, but this this is the folklore of the story, was that a cow kicked over a lantern in this woman's shed and it started a fire and then burned down the entire Got city. Okay. So this lovely little ditty that we learn at camp uh, is talking about this like fire that raised an entire city and ruined lives and killed countless people. But as you sing it, like so there's a little like motions you do with it and in each round you're supposed to take out the word and just do the motions so like you know because like late Mimic last night while we were death. all in mrs o'leary hung up in the and, you know you go yeah, through yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. uh each round and it gets faster and faster and faster so like you it's harder to remember like which one you're on which you love camping you you fucking you oh, were I all about that camp life camp. Yeah, I was a big fan of camp. And I was a Girl Scout. So, like, okay. you know, all of this stuff was, you know, a big part of my early <laughs> life. But, yeah, yeah, maybe someday I will actually research the Chicago fire and talk about it because it's gnarly. But um, that is the Mrs. O'Leary song. Thank you very much. Um, I hope it's not the last time <laughs> that you decide to just fucking out of pocket belt out a, a tune at me. I'd love that. <laughs> we'll see how it strikes. See what else comes comes forth. Take requests. Uh, I mean, it, we're on Blue Sky. If you want to, if there's anything you want, Corey, the Corrigan jukebox, <laughs> stick a quarter in her ear. Uh, American camp songs. Yes, yeah, and you'd like to it. hear, just by all means, come at us, and Corey will do it. We'll do any song that you mention. Uh, oh, is that is that so? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard you heard it here first, I guess. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> Um, so welcome to Jack of All Graves, everybody. Yes, welcome, welcome indeed. Lovely to have you, lovely to have your company. Very delighted and pleased and proud to have you as listeners. Ha- mm, proud that amen. you've just decided to download and hit play. Proud that you've chosen to listen to Jack of All Graves. And proud that this is where you come every week. And if you're a new listener, dec- proud that this is where you've decided to come this week. And just... Every fucking week, you know, you're going to get little thing, little fucking conversations, little anxieties, you know, little things to fucking ponder on that aren't so pleasant. Mm. But hopefully the manner in which we share these 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 grim realities, these unfortunate fucking truths about the world that surrounds us, hopefully, you know, we're 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 kind of letting you know that you've just got to fucking laugh about it, haven't you? Hey, hey. Because here, here. Yeah. sometimes it's so fucking grim and so bleak and so unrelenting, unyielding and fucking dark, impenetrable fucking gloom. The only rational response is to just have a chuckle and just just go into it, you know, lean the fuck in. This is uh, I've missed you, Mark. This is the kind of that's a classic Marco introduction <laughs> to an episode right there. That was uh, that just you. felt right in my heart space tell you what i'm enjoying uh it's mm. dark at 8 p.m fucking bring it on <laughs> uh it's you know today is very warm you can see i've got my sleeves rolled up and everything in I here know. and you're you're tank topped out today as well um, ticket to the gun show <laughs> right hey oh <laughs> um but it has been cooling down and it's absolutely beautiful, and I am mm. so happy we are mm. creeping towards fall, although that means having to pay my student loans again. But Ooh. other than that, it's it's great. It's super fun. Uh, I didn't clear my student loans until I think my late 30s. Oh, I'll never clear. Oh, you... That's not a thing. Really? That's, I have paid off my student loans twice, 
and I owe twice as much as I took out. Oh still. my <laughs> fucking yeah! I think you've told me that before. That yeah. is disgusting. Um, yeah, it's, it, I will die with these. This is not a yeah. I've done literally nothing with the education that it paid for either. Nothing, just nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's super cool. I love that. <laughs> it's great. But anyways. Mm. We'll get into that some other day because we've got enough yes, dark stuff to talk about without bringing yeah, that do. into things. We really do. Um, but I do want to, before we get into uh, some anxieties and fears and things of that nature and delve back into our hospital uh, series, first, mm. a big thanks to our dear friend Ryan, who uh, took care of the book club for me yesterday oh, when cool. I was in How Asbury was Park. Oh, you, went, you, you were at a show, of course, weren't you? you yes. Were, so... Yes. I asked Ryan to, you know, steer that ship for me, and you she went into did. Went city to see a marching band. Yes, exactly. Um, and from what I hear, it went swimmingly. I, my favorite thing is that Brienne texted afterwards, and she said the best part of book club was that apparently Colin's video wasn't working, um, and so it was just a screen of like him in a minion costume. Beautiful. Um, yeah, that's and, his profile picture in a few places. Yes, and so Ryan, uh, one of her daughters walked into the room and apparently whispered to Ryan, is that a person or is that a minion? (laughs) 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 Which I think is just the most adorable thing on the planet. So giant thanks, Ryan, and to everyone else uh, for coming out. I just took like a peek while I was at the concert at like the, you know, list of people attending. And it was just nice to see that they were chatting and all that kind of stuff and um, delightful. So I'll be back. Next month, um, you know, I don't do a birthday quarter, <laughs> so I will be back in action for the October book, which I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. But if you are interested in reading horror books with the best and smartest group of people in town, uh, jackofallgraves.com slash book club for the list Wonderful. of books that we're reading each month and the link to the Discord so that you can join it. Oh, and hey, speaking of Colin, mm. uh, last night I sat and recorded yes. the short story that he shared with us some months back. Uh, so you can expect that to pop up on the Ko-Fi on Tuesday, I believe. Correct. On Tuesday nice. for nice, all nice, of nice. our subscribers, I believe at all levels, yep. um, you will be getting your snack, which is this reading that Colin sent in. If you... Uh, subscribe to our Ko-Fi and want to hear Mark read something in particular. If you have a short story that strikes you and you would love yep. to hear in his dulcet Welsh tones, send it to us. And uh, as long as, you know, you have like a copy of it or something <laughs> and mm. uh, we don't have to try to hunt it down somewhere, get us a PDF, whatever, uh, then Marco can read that for a future snack. Uh, so that will be up on Tuesday. We will be... Um, we will be recording one of our um, play-alongs, Let's Plays, soon. And yep. we have our watch-along coming up. Yeah, we sure do. But listen, speaking of Ko-Fi, uh, mm. let me give a fucking huge shout-out to the Emo Dragon, uh, <laughs> yes. who is our most recent Ko-Fi supporter. You've yes. fucking done the right thing, buddy. And ooh, ooh, you should ooh, feel ooh. 100% fucking proud of yourself. Amen. That your better quality listener than everybody else who hasn't <laughs> donated right and just drink that in buddy because you fucking it earned it thrice right, blessed art though 
indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for for jumping on board. Very happy to have you. Um, so enjoy all of the back stuff now that you haven't listened to and watched I didn't already. mean it when I said that that he's a better, better quality listener than the others. I didn't mean that at all. That was just a little thing that I sometimes I say things. It's just I don't a mean. bit, you know. Yeah, it's just a bit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's cool. I think I think we're good. Yeah. Um. So yes, on the twenty third this Saturday. Yeah, is that when we're we're uh, uh, watching along? Yes, we are. Yeah. And so, so we're gonna do that on Saturday. So make sure that's in your calendar. That yes, twenty third. Of September. I'm just, I'm just uh, worriedly wondering if I'm doing anything, if I've arranged to do anything Saturday night. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. It's really cool. It's cool. You had again. You had like another like cryptic thing in your calendar for that night, um, but you said that it ended before we we get together for yes um, a movie. So hopefully that is still the case. But we'll check after this. <laughs> I, yes, I know what that is. Um, I, okay, I, I, one of Peter's friends from school. His dad is opening a restaurant in town in Bristol Town. We're going to go and patronize it. Ooh. Mm. What kind of restaurant? Uh, it's, I want to say Japanese. Oh, I love a Japanese restaurant. Yeah, the family are, are, are Burmese or from Myanmar, Burma, whichever it's called now. I think it's uh, Myanmar now. Yes, yes. Uh, and he's got a few restaurants dotted about the, the area and he's opening another one tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Okay, yeah. Mm. Let me know how it is. I will. Don't Send me worry. food pics. You know, I you will. Know, food porn is my favorite. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was telling you earlier that, yeah, Al was sending me uh, pics from the Abergavenny uh, Food Festival, mm. which is, you know, yeah, food pics are my love language. So I've, I've always been welcome. to Abergavenny Food Festival a couple of times myself, and it is always, always, always excellent. Oh, man, I got to go. I got to go yep. to there. It is great. You were going to ask me something. I, I was going to ask you something. So this was just one of those, like... Okay, so this week, mm. I went on, we have this, there's a Facebook group. This is a sort of nationwide thing, and probably in other places they do this too, but they're like buy nothing groups on Facebook, Yes, um, where people give away stuff and can 100%. ask for stuff. 100%. Right? I, I don't know about asking for stuff, but I've, I've certainly given a lot of, of shite away in, in yeah. those groups, yes. I love it. Yeah. Huge fan of it. Um, yeah, I never really... Uh, I asked for a mirror once, actually. The mirror in here, I mm. asked for. I was like, I'm just going to shoot and see if someone's got one. And someone's like, yeah, I was just getting rid of one. You want it? And Beautiful. now I have a mirror in my office. Um, but generally, uh, I like this week, I gave away eight things on the Buy Nothing group. And I was like, oh, this feels so good, right? Um, and like I... I was thinking about it and I was like, this is like, this is the way, right? Like, there's no reason to like hold on to stuff to keep things, you know, if they, if they don't have any immediate utility, they've been sitting around for a long time, get rid of them. You know, you can always buy something later on if it's, you know, if it turns out five years from now, I need something, I'll buy it or ask the group again. I saw at one point on this group, uh, someone asked for a pizza stone. (laughs) And someone else replied and were like, didn't you give me a pizza stone in this group a few months ago? And they're like, yeah, we figured out that we actually did want one. And they were like, well, I I haven't used it. Do you want it back? So, hey, 
Uh, that can happen too. But my point here is that I realized that like my family is not like this. They are hoarders to the max. Mm. Um, they keep everything. Maybe someday mm. we'll need it for something. There's junk stacked, you know, because they they keep all the stuff. And I realized that like I make a judgment around that. That I think the proper way to do things is what I'm doing, right? I like. See. Don't hold on to things. Uh, get rid of stuff. You can buy it again later if it's really important someday or whatever. Uh-huh. And that, like, I thought about it and I was like, I think that is correct, but it is because of experiences in my life, right? Like living right. in houses that were always messy from people holding on to things. Um, and from, oh, like, God kind forbid, of the way. A, 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 someone's personal space should be messy, eh, Corrigan? Okay, but you like honestly, this is what I mean, though. Like, yeah. you know, I have a, te- I don't like, I have a tendency to sprawl, right? But do, I do. don't have a, I try not to have a ton of stuff to sprawl I with. See. Okay, okay, okay. I see. You know, like the less stuff I have, the less chaos there is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly it. It's like I know what my like. I'm not great at like picking it up. I don't know what to do with it. So I might as well get rid of it, right? And that I think like other people holding on to things are doing something illogical or <laughs> like, you know? And then I like really thought about it and I was like, it's not, my way isn't correct, right? It's just that based on my life experiences, mm. this is the right thing for me, mm. uh, which is what kickstarted this thought. There I are see. more important things than this, but my question to you was sort of like, are there things, whether it's a moral, a belief, um, an action or activity, things like that, that you think are the right way i see that if you really think about it is based on your own experiences based on your own well um, life i have i have behaviors that are so deeply ingrained now that they're they're never going to change i have stuff i have stuff that i do that i know i will will be doing until my dying day right Mm -hmm. uh one of them being i will always 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 clean up as I go along, if I'm cooking, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. every fucking time. If if you do not, if you leave all the dishes until the end of your dinner, you are a fool, right? You are a fool <laughs> of a took if you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, because it, it ruins your fucking dinner having to, you know, look over at the dirty what dirty crockery and whatever and and do it all afterwards. So yes, anyone who doesn't do that is a fool of a took. Um, what if you see. like doing dishes? Who likes doing dishes? Get real. My mom loves doing dishes. She's terrible at it, but it's her favorite chore. Are you joking me? No, that's like, that's why I'm always annoyed because she's so bad at it. She always leaves food on it and stuff like that, but she loves doing dishes. Uh, I've, I, I've got a couple of things that I cling on to out of bloody mindedness as well. I'm going to text okay. you a word, right? Okay. I'm going to text you a word to your signal and I would like you to pronounce this word for me. Okay. <laughs> sure. Here we go. Just pronounce that word if you don't mind. Oh, you talked about this before. Have I talked about this before? Have I yes, gone? oxymoron. Fuck you. Wrong. <laughs> but right? it's not. Bullshit. Wrong. That is pronounced oxymoron, and I don't give a shit how many people <laughs> say it the wrong way. That is not oxymoron. That is a fucking stupid way to pronounce that word. It's oxymoron. Uh, so. You know, there's uh-huh. that. Um, 
let me see. Tea, uh, if anybody makes tea with the milk first, freak. You have to make tea I with totally the hot water first. And, and there are people who will, until they're blue in the face, uh, you know, say that it's milk first. Fucking idiots. It, this is kind of like the shopping trolley uh, <laughs> truism, isn't it? That, that you can tell a lot about a human's tendencies where, by, by, based on whether or not they return their shopping trolley after they've used it. <laughs> because returning your shopping trolley is the 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 smallest possible act you can do for which there is no reward no one's going to thank you or give you a pound and there's no consequence no one's going to chase after you or, or or censor you you know so if you take the shopping trolley back you're doing it simply because it is by definition the right thing to do sure and and you know that 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 can give insight into how you know how what what kind of how how morally you live your life. You think the tea is like that? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. No, it, how you pronounce oxymoron is like that though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lonely world. It's a lonely life. Uh. You're the only guy in the world who says that, right? Uh, but okay, so like that's. Uh, less that because that you know you're being ridiculous and that's not. No, like... I fucking do not. <laughs> Uh, cut, <laughs> cut that out. Gaslight. Me. Cut that out. <laughs> I will do no such thing. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, But like the dishes thing, for example, All right. right? Like that. That's like one of those kind of small things that I'm talking about. Where it's like this is clearly. I mean, yes. I do the same thing. Um, oh, you do. But like. Not everyone does that, and it does not bother them one way or another. Mm. So there's, like, you know, there's a reason behind that, that, like, you've, like, that's a hill you'll die on, even though it's, like, it really, other people do it differently because they just do it differently. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, people want to be, like, doing something else while they're uh, cooking, you know, or maybe they're, like, nose in the recipe or something like that. Like, there's any number of reasons why someone might not. Hmm. do that i well, hate doing dishes so it makes it less daunting for me yeah exactly yeah the same, but, same here. That's, that's my reason yeah but uh yeah i was like just thinking of like that's like a, such a yeah these examples of just silly little things like that i was also thinking like then kind of expanding upon that of like what things like my philosophies about life and stuff like that okay. do i kind of take as good And and one of the reasons for this was that like you know, there is a thing that was saying, like, um, autistic people tend to have, like, a, a, an overblown sense of justice, right? Like, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean they're right, but when they perceive something as um, the right thing, like, yeah. they're more affronted by it not being, I see. like, by someone they breaking that. very strongly yeah, in their Yeah, invest their, strongly their in their yeah. code, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about things like, you know, I certainly am like that. Like, <laughs> I think you know me well enough that it's like if I oh, like yeah, deeply really. believe in yes, something yes, like yes, yes, dog with a bone, you can't shake it out. Of, I have to tell you exactly how I feel about something. I would I would I would <laughs> call you tenacious. <laughs> I am tenacious. That is what I would say about you. Yes. That's one of your qualities. <laughs> um, yeah. And I won't like, you know, I can't let it go. <laughs> even if I want to. But at the same time, like one of my sort of attitudes towards life, like even in that way, is that I think, you know, it's best to have a positive attitude in general about things, Mm. right? And like not to necessarily dwell 
on something. So the manifestation of that for me of the like having this strong sense of justice and things like that is to um, like I have no problem like breaking from someone who causes me drama or things like that. Right. Like if someone uh, has bad vibes all the time or if someone does something that harms me or like, you know, does something that I think is just like morally unforgivable or just like that I don't want to be associated with. Yep. <laughs> like, I have no problem just being like, I'm done with that. I have done I'm that. Out. Yeah, I have done. You know? I have I have ditched. I have I've ditched somebody who um, I was probably fair to say my best friend at one point. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the, the other end of that is that I tend to like not out loud necessarily, but I judge people who can't do that. Um, okay. People who fight, right? Like I don't, I see no purpose in fighting people. Like Physically? No, no, no. Like argumentatively. Okay, okay, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If me and someone aren't getting along, I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to leave and be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there is I, yeah, no reason I, I, for, I for this kind of thing to me. And like people who get kind of caught up in in drama, for lack of a better word, or things like that. I tend well, to have a again, lot of judgment again, towards that. The fu- to, to quote the fucking wisdom of the share zone. <laughs> you can leave. Hit the bricks. You right. can just go. However, I find that like my judgment of people who don't do that is based on my own experiences, right? Like I come from a family with a lot of like screaming and yelling and volatility yeah, 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 yeah. and things Ugh. like that. Um, and I like and deeply stressed out by it and tend to just sort of like blank out and and ignore it um i tend to like you know avoid confrontation to an extent obviously like i'm not completely conflict averse (laughs) especially as you know if i find something is wrong i'm going to tell you about it um but that like generally uh all of this stuff comes from my own experiences and that there is value i'm sure to people who confront things head on and people who are who don't give up relationships because you know this yeah. was, the vibes were off <laughs> you yeah. know like who stick shit out um we probably need those people too and i put a judgment on that but it's completely based on my own baggage you know so you would it be fair to say then that you you have a similar attitude towards physical possessions as you do relationships if you have no use for them fucking out they go exactly that i'm a i'm an unattached person and that is a very easily explained thing too like you know when i was young i was moved across the country without getting a chance to say goodbye to my friends or anything like that didn't know Uh i was going and suddenly Uh moved you know over and then i've moved like a bunch of times in my adult life um you know which each time you realize like i have too much baggage i literally i need to get rid of it you know and you start moving around away from your friends moving away from your stuff things Mm. like that um and so i think i don't cling like a lot of people do to stuff because i don't have like a solid oh everything is a really firm uh connection you know so like all of that kind of stuff yeah like i have that i love a home base like being here this being like as far as i know my forever home wonderful i don't feel the need to fill it with shit (laughs) you know because i don't do you not not have have those attachments do you not do you not i i grow i have i have precious things i have some oh yeah oh i do for sure okay yeah it's just not like 
I don't feel that like I think my family tends to everything becomes like thing you must keep. It may have utility at some point or things. Yeah, like that. I, 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 I can relate. I know a couple of hoarders. <laughs> yeah, where I'm more of a like there's stuff that, you know, usually it's something that like is a photo or mm. um, maybe like I have a stuffed animal from when I was a kid that, you know, means a lot that I still have, um, you know, things like that. But like not a lot of it. <laughs> Hmm. You know, it's been very insightful. Yeah, I thought it was just like an interesting, I don't know, interesting thing to think about. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, what, you know, what what is the alchemy? What is the formula for something reaching that status of indispensable? Mm, what, you mm-hmm. know, what, what, what needs to surround an object? Right. Uh, in order for it to become something that you're going to keep forever. That is, yeah, you're right. It's an interesting thought. Yeah, maybe that's something we come back to sometime too. What makes something worth holding on to? Uh, I quite like the idea of artifacts. I mean, what, you know, mm-hmm. are, there, are there artifacts in existence? The, the, the memorabilia then or ephemera from particularly fucking horrific times or events, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll think on. We'll think on it. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Mm. Um, we'll chew but it thank over you for some more. indulging that thought process. Uh, even though I don't feel like you acknowledged your your own personal experience here, I think you still think you're right about everything. <laughs> well, I, I do, listen. I can't always bang on about self awareness if I can't admit that I'm wrong about a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have no trouble fessing up when I fucked up and no, when I'm that, doing something yeah. wrong. But those those things that I spoke of earlier, I, uh, Oxymoron isn't a bit. I fucking actually believe that it's pronounced that way and get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually aggressive about it. I hate, I I hate that everybody else has got this wrong. <laughs> it winds me up so much. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, Mark, what did you watch this week? <laughs> oh, listen, movies. Yeah, let's talk about movies. Um, quite a few, you know. I think I've managed to get through quite a few movies this week. Hey, that's week. nice. Yeah, let's have a little look, shall we? Um, yes. Oh, I'm so impressionable. Aren't I easily led? <laughs> Aren't I? And this, is, this comes up again, huh? Is, you know, normally we're always making fun mate. of me for... I'm an absolute mark. I am yeah. such a fucking patsy. <laughs> um, all you've got to do is say something to me. Just you could Darren Brown me easily. Just slip words <laughs> into a sentence or show mm-hmm. me a picture of something. Um, case in point being, uh, our, our group chat shared a really cool Texas Chainsaw Massacre T-shirt mm. this week, and immediately, like a fucking my Pavlovian response was immediately to go downstairs and just fucking bang the movie on and watch Texas again. Yeah. Not going to talk about it at length. I'm not going to talk about it right. at all. In fact, because. Yeah. Everyone Certainly knows that we it's have already. a five-star sensory assault. It's <laughs> right? a good word for it. It is a five-star act of fucking just sensory violation. That's what it is. It is a relentless, smelly, brutal, confusing, brilliant, fucking joyride of a film. And I adore it. Um, <laughs> so that's all I got to say about that. So Texas... Yeah. Let me see. Um, we sat down together and watched Pumpkinhead 2, didn't we? We did, since uh, you decided that we were going to animar in this series. Um, yeah, um, I regret So we're at that. two of four. 
Yeah, two or four. Because based on based on the sequel, based on Pumpkinhead two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's even better than that, though. It's called Blood Wings. Yeah, it is. And why is it called Blood Wings? The fuck? I don't. I don't know. It's never, never referenced in the film itself, no. is it ever? I don't think. No, I don't think it is. But based on Pumpkinhead two, and based on that anecdote from Lance Henriksen, which you shared with me about Pumpkinhead three, it this just <laughs> feels like a franchise with no value. It brings right. nothing. Pumpkinhead 2 brings nothing to the table. It adds nothing to the conversation. It, Actively it, undoes some of the first movies. It does. Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it just says, it's fuck just, the lore. Fucking hell. I mean, that the episode with you and I and Anna the other week, where she <laughs> said, look, just films with a fucking something to them, a reason to exist, something that they do well, something that they excel at, uh, you know, whatever that may be. Pumpkinhead is the antithesis of that. <laughs> It, Pumpkinhead it two. Has... Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead two. I, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I digress. Um, yeah. Pumpkinhead two is the antithesis of that. It has no reason for being. It's just dog shit. Yeah. Somehow and, the uh, puppet looks worse. Yeah, it does. The um, the anecdote that I shared with Mark uh, was from someone's letterbox to I guess had interviewed uh, Lance Henriksen and I think they met Lance. Him at a con. Uh, yeah, but I felt like it was more. I thought it was something more than that because they. Pointed to like an interview or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Something of this nature. They met at a con, something of that nature. Um, but <laughs> basically what this person was saying is that like Lance Henriksen is happy to talk about the original pumpkin head. Just that thinks it's, you know, a great movie. The experience is great. Stan Winston's first movie. He was really into the experience of that and the, you know, product that yeah, came yeah, out yeah, of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's not in the second one. And then he's in three and four. Um, which he yeah refers to as alimony movies does not like to talk about and said that being asked about it is like being uh like someone saying to you the night after you were drunk uh do you remember what you did last night oh i hate <laughs> oh, I fucking i've i've had that on more than one occasion tell you, it's fucking horrible yeah so i don't know oh, there's a part sometimes of... it's a it's awesome <laughs> well right yeah maybe you did something cool i don't know yeah. Uh, in this case, that does not seem to be the case. Uh, and so, I don't know, there's a part of me that's, like, very curious as to how much worse this could possibly get. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Pumpkinhead 2 is not We'll have to good. see it, We'll have to fucking just plow yeah, through it I mean, week. they're 90 minutes, like, Exactly. You know. um, <laughs> Might as well get them done. Oh, let me see. Uh, did we, did we chat, did we, was talk to me this week or last week? You, uh, I don't think you've talked about that yet. Right. Fucking great movie. I'm is, delighted yeah. to have seen it. Um, borrows heavily from Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> in a good you know, way, yeah. In a good way, yes. And Because uh, in and of itself, it's a lovely, fucking intimate, small-scale, creepy little bastard of a film. Yeah. Um, it, it borrows... Yeah, it's... it's, it's Jordan Peele via Hereditary, I think, in the in the you've yeah. got a, a fucked up family dynamic there, which gets picked apart. Um, you've got a little sure, sibling sure that shouldn't be at a party. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, exactly this. Um, just a, a a whole fucking bunch of fun. Some real good scares, some real good yeah. performances. Just and it's Australian. I had no idea it was Australian. Australian things are great. Are good aren't at they? this shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've been saying Australians yeah. make good horror movies. Yes, they do. Oscorp, mate. 
Oscorp. It's the bleakness, you know. I mean, we've mm. talked about Oscorp before, but yeah, the bleakness of Australian movies, you know, always comes through. And this is for something that's like a teen horror yeah. movie, the bleakness is pervasive in the, it. I'm not going to spoil anything about Talk to Me because it, I went into it almost entirely cold and I would recommend everybody else does the same thing. I recommend everybody does that for every film, to be honest. But the <laughs> ending, right? I kind of kicked myself that I didn't fucking see it coming as soon as, you know, you find out the gimmick. Uh-huh. Um, because the ending, it's, it's a really nice, really neat, beautiful mm-hmm. kind of uh, Hitchcockian sting in the tail kind of ending yeah. that you could that you could kind of guess coming if you really put your mind to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but banging. It, yeah, I think one of the things about that movie is that it is one of those ones that I wasn't necessarily trying to guess, which no, I think of course. is yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. Like, you know, a lot of times that's the thing that bugs me in movies, usually being able to like see a twist coming or whatever. You're very good And it's it. not the kind of movie that makes you sit there wondering that, you know, yeah. it's the investment is not in like, oh, you're in, you're in the around. movie. You, you're not trying yeah. to fucking, you know, you're not trying to, you're not trying to solve it. Second guess it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sure. exactly. Yeah. Talk uh, to me is a really good time. Yep, good as fuck. Um, Pete and I watched Final Destination 2. Beautiful. Yes, indeed. And he's asking me a couple of times, Dad, Dad, what am I, what am I enjoying, Dad? So. Oh. <laughs> I am so excited that he really wants to do this because we, yeah, does, you know, for the past couple of years have wanted him to come on and he was a little too shy to. But now, yep. now he's a YouTuber. He knows what he's doing. Well, not so much really. That died of death. Well, still, <laughs> once a YouTuber. Um, but yes, uh, it, it's, it's. It occurred to me while watching Final Destination, right, that the central gimmick of Final Destination is very similar thematically to what I love so much about A Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Mm-hmm. I've said plenty of times that one of the reasons I love Elm Street so much is because I, I I love the gimmick of inevitability. You're going to fall asleep right. at some yeah. point and chase it, run away from it all you want. You you will eventually fall asleep. You're going to find yourself in a fucking room with Freddy eventually. Mm. And I think Final Destination has that same sense of encroaching inevitability. Death is always going to fucking win. You can't yeah. you can't beat death. You are going to die. Uh, and the ingenious ways watching people try and second guess death, try and play chess with fucking, you know, a concept. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's great. I, and the I, kills I, just get you know kills, more and more though. insane as they really the, do. Yeah, the, it, <laughs> it was it was along. the sequel where they really they bet heavily on the kills. You know, yes, big time. Um, they are surprising. Uh, you, you, a few of them just come right out of nowhere. It's yeah, brilliant. Good shit. Good shit. Does the second one have the gymnastics kill? No, the second one okay. has the ladder through the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously the fucking tree through the car yeah, the log obviously um, the most um, iconic um, of um, all um, 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 um guy blows up in a fire uh yeah. it it also does it also does a thing which i really love when it when a franchise does it and kills off the survivor from the last film right yes <laughs> i yep. love that which is something yeah. else elm street did a, a, mm-hmm. a few times um yeah, definitely yeah, I mean, that's I, I said that last week. Like, that's one of the great things about it is that, like, even if someone survives the movie, no, yes. they don't. Yes. <laughs> they absolutely don't. And then they start, you know, then the timeline and whatnot shifts and all that. Mm. And you get all this good stuff that way. But, yep. yeah. Again, aside from the fourth one, I'm just very excited that you're on this journey. <laughs> I, I have passed two. I don't think I've got any memory of them. Amazing. 
I so, really love three and five. They're both great. Um, so I'm stoked for you to get there. I do, like I said last week, I also just want to report back on the awkwardness of the 10 minute titty scene in three. Oh. <laughs> uh, is it 10 minutes of titty? It's so long. It is insanely there was, there long. Was brief titty in. in oh, was there? FD2, yeah. Somebody flashes a car. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I was going to say, because I don't remember that. any, like, nudity and stuff like that from, like, any of them, except that the in three, it lasts so long that you're, it's, like, comical how long you've been looking at naked women. <laughs> it's uh. like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they really wanted to get their money's worth out of all those fake boobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, fuck it. <laughs> um, great. But a uh, never wrote anyone, did it? I mean, not to my knowledge. Maybe you did. Have you been hurt by a titty? We want to hear from you. <laughs> My own on plenty of occasions. Well, yeah, but... yeah, good point. <laughs> um, anything else? Let me see. Uh, I got dragged to a haunting in Venice yesterday. Dragged? You gave it three stars. Yeah, because it was functional, right? It is, it is yeah. a functionally sound film. I yeah. have I have personal issues with Kenneth Branagh. I don't fucking like him. Right? That I, honestly doesn't surprise me. He seems like the kind of guy you wouldn't like. I don't like Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> ah, and I can't pin it down. I don't know why. Sure. I don't like him. And seeing him in, a, you know, in the at the movies on a big screen, he's got these fucking warts on his chin. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just don't like him. Um, however, Haunting in Venice is a functionally sound film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take your three stars and be gone. <laughs> I do want to see that one. I would have seen it the other day, but it's just been too busy a, a week. Just, I don't a, like it's those. It's a stealer, mate. It's a stealer. Yeah, I don't. Well, I I like going to the cinema. Um, so, oh, you you've know. got a, you've got a cool. Yeah, I've got, it's uh, going to cost uh, me six bucks. It's yeah, exactly. You know, they just got new seats at the theater, and I haven't been sat in them yet. So Fine. you know, it's either that or Taylor Swift's Eras tour video. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't like those. Poirot movies that Kenneth Branagh's done. I like Kenneth Branagh. I think he seems like a giant dork. Do you? Um, and like that kind of appeals to me. Like he's just like he's really he loves making movies. Um, and like, like is you know just loves acting and all that kind of stuff. And he seems like a giant nerd to me. Thought like mm. Belfast was absolute trash. You know, <laughs> like I, I don't I don't like the Poirot movies, but I just kind of like him. Um, so, you know, and the movie looked like, you know, yeah, just serviceable in a way that I'm like, oh, that's right. the word. That's the I'm word. In. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that cast. So I feel good about yeah, it. Yeah. And it's always nice to see Michelle Yeoh. Always. Yeah. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. Uh, someone pointed out they were like, it's like they worked overtime to get like the most unproblematic cast possible after the last <laughs> movie. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. Yes. Yes. Pretty much. Thoroughly vetted everyone. Yeah. I want to say it might've been Dan who said that, but yeah. <laughs> um we also we watched cobweb together, together as yes. well uh, we, we took a break from pumpkin heads to we watch did cobweb i had Again? i literally had never heard of this movie before so um, i don't know how it found itself on my radar either uh uh-huh. I, I i think i saw it listed in a kind of a did it win a did it win an award did it get a premiere at some fucking horror festival i don't know but <laughs> it was good yeah, I got higher than I meant to while watching, yes, which made it did, like quite you? an experience to watch. Smoking on that vape. 
Yeah, had a, had a little vape, which normally doesn't usually hit me, but for some reason it like nice. it got me. And there was <laughs> there's a point in it. <laughs> I sent you audio of me doing it because you asked me to. <laughs> but I, yeah, there was like a these like kids in their trick or treat masks or whatever in a car. And like one was in like a bunny mask, then that leaned over all of a sudden that you couldn't see, and I literally went, "Yeah!" <laughs> it scared the shit out of me. Uh, um, it's a, a spooky kid movie. So spooky kid movie, yeah. Uh, a child, the kid from the Last Voyage of the Demeter. If you've seen that, great. and he He's was great. good. He was he was excellent. He's yes. really good. Uh, 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 a kid starts hearing things in the walls of his bedroom, and uh, just horrific things ensue. Exactly. Yeah, that there pretty much go. sums it up. That's, that's, uh, your, yeah, and it's got movie? some good good scares in it. Um, yeah. it's it feels like Homelander. maybe there's... Yeah, you got Homelander in there. I don't love what Lizzie Kaplan's doing with the her like proper 1930s voice or whatever that she does. Yeah, um, she's, she's an Aldi Emily Blunt, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, that about sums it up. And this, she she's one of those people who like... Because I like Mean Girls, I want to like her, but I don't think I ever think she's that good of an actress. I see. Um, but anyways, regardless, it's like, I don't know, it's just kind of a little bit of like mayhem in a movie. I think it's doing too much. It's got like maybe a few too many storylines within it. But it's like fun and scary. Yeah. Yep. And like that works for me. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. It's scary. There's a good kid performance in it. Yeah. And um, if you're high, it's even scarier. There you go. Have a big old bong before you watch it <laughs> rip a fucking huge or maybe you know smoke a little bit of crack okay well that before jack of all <laughs> just grapes a little does bit. not endorse oh do we not crack no okay no i think we can categorically say uh, that we don't hugs not um <laughs> the only thing other than that that i watched this week was i i mean that i watched some shows and things like that but yeah. uh the only thing i watched movie wise is i attempted to watch heavy metal the like cartoon from 1981 what? 82 british so it was sci-fi on... is it british Animation. i'm pretty is it british i don't I've... think it's british maybe i'm conflating it with this is a problem that i have now because i talk to you and all of our friends so much that i tune out accents at this point sometimes so i, I don't saying, yeah but yeah, I, you, I don't. It's actually think Canadian. It well, well, well. Canadian. There you go. Yo. Um, and <laughs> so TCM had it on. Oh, it's not but... animation either. No, it is animation. It's definitely. Animation. Oh, it is right. Okay, yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> basically, you know, a movie of sci-fi vignettes animated, uh, and the sort of like gimmick of it is that like all the biggest like rock bands of the '70s and early '80s. Uh, have songs on this soundtrack oh, wow. that are playing throughout it. Uh, and I thought that was going to be used differently. <laughs> like, I was expecting, like, <laughs> okay. these big epic numbers and, like, you know, all this stuff, which really, it's just kind of like, there's just always a rock song in the background. Nice, good. Which, like, quietly. And so okay. it doesn't, like, there's no emphasis on it. It doesn't really oh, seem to add anything. It's just, it's just static. It's just background. It's just, yeah, it's just in the background. There is always rock songs playing with, like, full lyrics and stuff like that, which is a weird thing when there's dialogue in a movie <laughs> to yeah, just yeah. have full rock songs in the background. Um, and then I was like, I can see how in an age before porn, uh, like, before internet porn, yeah. like, for men, this would have been an appealing film because yeah. it's just... 
men clad treating pretty. naked women badly <laughs> the uh-huh. whole thing it's just basically like every time a woman walks on screen she just takes off everything and has <laughs> sex with whatever man is on like for no reason okay. it's just like oh they're in this room like <laughs> like i guess i will have sex with them right now what what drove you to hit play on that one then? it was on tcm and i watch a lot oh, okay. of tcm <laughs> so i was and it's like you know they it's very curated anything that's on tcm so there's like classics usually you know mm. um and and like i can see why and it classic is kind of the wrong word but like i classic can see why age. it was yeah. a cult classic i guess you go. know yes, like yes, yes. why Boys of a certain age, specifically, would have in 1981 been like, oh my God. Like, they could put this VHS tape up with all the other tapes, and their mom wouldn't know it was just a porno. (laughs) You know, like, you could get away basically with watching like a porn uh, as a child. Does it <laughs> does it have any value as a film? Does it have any value as a movie, oh, no, or is it just boring as fuck? Oh, okay. And it's so misogynist. <laughs> like it was, yeah, Yikes. it was a rough watch. I was just like, oh no, like there's nothing in this as a female viewer at all for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, if the music were better, I might be able to forgive it. But the fact that it's just like, yeah, just in the background was not okay. not doing it for me. Get? Uh, I don't, I'm not even sure if I rated it. I think Ooh. I might have just left. I was like, I don't even know yeah. how to, how to judge this. <laughs> okay. uh, let me see if uh, I watch yeah. anything else. I was, every, every now and again, right? Every so often. Uh, well, actually, it doesn't happen often. But okay. sometimes I will be seized by the desire to watch a a film, a real film, a fucking, sure, yeah, yeah. you know. A, a I get that very occasionally work, too, you know? yeah. Yeah. And it seized me today, so I watched uh, Tar. I watched Kate Blanchett in Tar, and I enjoyed yes. the fuck out of it. Beautiful. It is a incredibly performed, tightly written, super fucking. It's it's. This is a film of detail. There is mm-hmm. so much beautiful, <clears throat> rewarding detail in this film. Uh, yeah. Is it is it earnest? Yes. Uh, <laughs> does it have a huge sense of its own importance? Yes. Sure. Uh, but it's justified. Fine. If you've if you've put a piece of work like this together, fuck it. Feel it. Lean into it. It's right. yeah. It it's a it's it's just such a fucking literate and detailed film, and everyone is fucking giving up their best. And I super enjoyed it. Amazing. Mm, yes. Yes. Very glad to hear that. Tell you something else as well. Um, this is from a couple of weeks ago, but you remember me saying that I wanted to get into D and D. Yes, yes. In fact, we've had we had multiple people offer, but obviously, since you were on a break, yes, yes, we indeed. have not done well, that. But many people want to play with you. Consider that itch scratched, right? Um, I bought <laughs> there's a there's a game on PS5, Baldur's Gate Three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is I didn't really know at the time because I I like to go into things cold. But it's had incredible review scores across the board. It's super critically seventy dollars on something to go in cold is. Well, yeah, but I decision. <laughs> if everybody is saying something's great, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably great. Yeah, for people <laughs> like that thing. <laughs> like video games are such like a personal like thing. Like I saw, I saw everybody was talking about Baldur's Gate as well, and yeah. then I watched a couple of the like trailer videos on the PS5, and I was like, oh fuck no! Right. Well, well I didn't that. do that bit. That's the bit I didn't. That's do. where you, yeah, yeah. we diverged. And 
it's D and D, right? It's it's to all intents and purposes D and D on the PS5. And I didn't. I don't think people who play D and D would say that's the same thing because that's it's, like it's, you're it's, still playing it by yourself. But it goes off a D and D rulebook. It's literally built on a D and D rulebook. And I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing, man. I had no clue. It was yeah, that's why you have to play to it with people. That's right, the point. right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, going yeah, into yeah. an entire like game thing that you have no frame of reference for. <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 I stuck at it. I spent a few hours on it. But in, in much the same way as Elden Ring, when, mm-hmm. you know, I sank like 10, 15 hours into it and, and was still only on the tiniest fucking corner of the map and dying every five fucking seconds. Yeah. It, 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 I just, I hit a wall with this game, man. It, it's impenetrable to me. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, it was worth the money for the, for the satisfaction I felt in deleting it. Oh, well, there you go. Yes. See, this is again that thing, though, that I wish that like... The, the sucky thing when you don't have hard copies of stuff I was like I wish I could give it to someone else someone oh, else wants saying. to yeah. play that game yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like if you could CDX. just pass your license over to someone else and yeah. give it to them I feel like that's what's missing from those games I agree they're just wasted um, however Spider-Man 2 is out in a few weeks and that's a little bit more my lane nice yes I remember you loved the first one a lot absolutely adored it I attempted I to play to it I did not but that's it's just because it's not the kind of game i play that's all Mm. you know um shall we talk about let's pick this let's pick up this this conversation again yeah by all means um this is part part three of our part three of our hospital ongoing discussion and delving into you know hospitals aren't always a place where you get better right um and today uh well listen we decided we were going to talk a little bit about um, things that can happen in hospitals uh, just that are emergencies to yes. the people who work there, too. Not just for us. Oh, listen, before us. we do that, before we do that, super quick. Yeah. I've just remembered. Mm. I was on the radio this week super briefly, right? You were. Yes, that's right. Um, I uh, I asked a question on Blue Sky a couple of weeks back. All of the pollution in the world, right? Chemical, yeah. nuclear, industrial, whatever. All of the fucking plastic in the rivers and oceans, la la la. Why can't we just sh- fucking bang that shit on a rocket, get, you know, Elon or fucking Jeff on it and just send all that shit into space? Why can't we? So um, there was a science phone in just coincidentally as I was listening to Jeremy Vine on radio too. So I thought, right, I'll ask this fucking science geezer. <laughs> and I I wasn't at all... Uh, happy with his response at all right i think he was full of shit and hmm. i think we can in fact send it all to space he was all like no no no, no. <laughs> he was right this was a weird question in the first like Bullshit. when you started asking it i was like why would you think that's a good idea i you, you now you as well yes because it's a terrible idea how tell me how Right. Exactly the reasons that he gave. Right. Like, we just... already know there's way too much space junk out there that is oh, eventually bullshit. threatening to cover right. up I read, our entire sky. I read earlier on, right, you know, the Voyager probe, right? Yeah. It's been mm-hmm. traveling for like 25 years or so, if not mm-hmm. more, and it hasn't hit a single fucking thing, right? So we one thing in the sky has not hit something. Yeah, but it's, been, it's, been, it's been in motion for 25 years and it's hit nothing. If not mm-hmm. more, if we send this shit far enough, outside out of mind, mate, it's gone. Send it into space. 
just send it way into space. Don't just put it in For orbit, someone like, who also thinks that there's like intelligent life out there that's also like a insane thing to do so make it some other things problem the idea it's short-sighted to put our stuff up into the sky and not think about like maybe that might come back to bite us (laughs) at some point not in the sky mate no in deep fucking space space. (laughs) it's huge right Mm-hmm. And this guy was giving it all like, no, 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 no. We need to reduce our waste uh, production and we need to be better on this planet before. No, no, no. Well, but, and like, imagine. That's fucking not happening, is it? That ain't right. Gonna but imagine happen. if then our solution was simply shoot everything into space. Which... That then it becomes the scapegoat for which we don't, we further, <laughs> instead of not just not changing things, but we start making more because it's not our problem anymore. <laughs> Right, and if they'd given me the chance to reply on Jeremy Vine, which they didn't, they were like, "All right, cheers, my bye." My response would have been, "Why not both? We do this as a kind of a we do this like once every twenty years or more, and in the meantime, scale the fuck down, change our behaviors, re reshape our society." But the fact is that second bit ain't fucking happening. So we've got to think outside the box. We've got to think off uh, the globe. Yeah. Just think also of the environmental impact of whatever rockets and things like that we need to get our That's why we only do it space. once every 20 years or so. <laughs> right? Still. Like, and in that time, we're still creating all of the same uh, emissions and things like that. Because our you know, problem you're, isn't you're really... Like all the others, aren't you? Yeah, our problem isn't just landfills. It's no, not no, the giant no. t-shirt thing in the middle of Chile or whatever. Like, it's the emissions to make those things. So now, not only are we using all the same emissions in order to create all the same junk, but more because we know we're going to get rid of that junk, which also takes emissions <laughs> and billions of dollars to shoot into space. Be- Look, underneath this is a need for... <laughs> different thinking right because <laughs> sure. we ain't gonna change our behaviors we ain't fucking doing it on a global scale nothing is changing every target is being missed the the kind of the piecemeal fucking but it's not solution. true that nothing is changing okay i, I i'll roll back on that right but <laughs> right. globally from a corporation point of view while capitalism is still in place and profit and, and, and fucking money are the sole metrics by which success is judged of, a, of, a, of an enterprise mm-hmm. that you know the behaviors won't change. The 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 fucking yeah, filth will continue accumulating. As, yeah. I get the idea of needing different thinking, but the problem with that is that it's the same problems with just adding another one on. It to isn't it. because as long if you as you shoot don't reduce emissions, it's effectively gone. But the emissions aren't because the problem is the making the things. It's not just the trash; it's the creating those things. You can shoot all the. You could shoot every bit of garbage that is on this planet into space, but Good. if we keep fucking making this stuff, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We will still be in the exact same position. The junk but, uh, on the ground and the junk in the air are two different problems. But counterpoint, we're gonna carry on doing it anyway, <laughs> and it, and so just add more. Why not? No. It's fun to watch trash into go space. into space. You're shooting it into space. It's gone. <laughs> anyway, I still think bullshit. I still think we can do it. And I think that I actually think that's what we'll end up doing. Do you agree with Mark? Please tell us why ah, this plan works. That, that's Corey's way of saying wrap it up, Lewis. <laughs> I'll fucking shoot you into space. I'm getting principled again. Um, 
<laughs> so, friends, <clears throat> hospitals. Yeah, sorry, hospitals. Yeah. Listen. Fucking bad shit. Listen, bad shit. I th- what occurs uh, to me, right, is mm-hmm. by nature, if you are in a hospital, you are vulnerable. Right. Yes. You wouldn't be there otherwise. If mm-hmm. you require, a, a, you know, treatment in a hospital which needs you to stay there for any length of time, you are by fucking definition vulnerable. Yes. Uh, which means external uh, calamities, which which happen in hospitals a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you know are gonna are gonna be all the more devastating because you know a hospitals full of sick people for fuck's sake, right. babies exactly. Yeah. Neither and... of which are any good in a fight. <laughs> no, not particularly. No, not so much. Not helpful. And uh, so I thought it would be, you know, to sort of give us an idea of the things that happen in hospitals. Mm. I I thought I'd take us through the idea of codes, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, I think, you know, anyone who's ever watched like like on your files. Well, let me explain. Yeah, please. If you've watched a medical drama, right? I'm sure you have watched medical dramas. Everyone on the planet has watched them at some point or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that hospitals have certain codes that have various meanings. Uh, in fact, often you'll see doctors on these shows simply use the shorthand "patient is coding," right? Ooh, what would do yeah. you know what that would mean? I've like you've heard it plenty of times. Don't know what it. I mean, it, they're going into arrest or seizure or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. See, you watch enough <laughs> of these things <laughs> and you you just know what that that means. Uh, when someone's on the verge of kicking the bucket and it's all hands on deck to try to save their life, they call that coding. Uh, they're referring to what is generally known as a code blue, okay. an indicator that a patient has gone into cardiac arrest. As it turns out, there are a lot of other emergency codes in hospitals, and the majority of them have nothing to do with their patient's health and everything to do with threats to the hospital itself. Oh, wow. Because, like you just said, there's a lot of shit that can go down in hospitals. Code brown. <laughs> Not one of the codes, uh, although I'm sure colloquially it probably is. Yeah. (laughs) Now, codes aren't completely standardized, which is a little crazy. um, And they also vary between countries. So for time's sake, I'm just going to talk a bit about the ones we use here in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's worth noting that until the 2000s, often every hospital had its own set of codes which could be super confusing for a number of reasons, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. least of which being if you're a hospital on one side of town trying to communicate with one on the other side, yep. it's kind of important you're talking about the same thing. Yes. And a lack of consistency can literally be deadly. One such case is the reason why now about half the states in the United States have statewide codes and that they're Just often half. the same or, yeah, because, like I said, this has only been since 2000 that they've started standardizing this. Mm. Um, and so this is as of 2020, I believe. 25 states had, um, at that point, standardized their codes. Mm. Um, and they're, they're often similar to other states. So according to CampusSafety.com, in 2000, the Hospital Association of Southern California released a handbook called Healthcare Emergency Codes, a Guide for Code Standardization, strongly urging a uniform code system after three people were killed in a shooting incident after the wrong emergency code was called. Code Ooh. gray, which typically means a combative person, was announced, drawing staff members toward the shooter. Uh, at the time of this incident, in California hospitals, 47 different codes were used for infant abduction and 61 were used for a combative person. So basically, you know, all these people went running towards 
a shooter instead of away from them because the wrong code was called. Ooh, yo. Yeah. So oh. this caused the standardization, and I'm going to go through the main ones just to give you an idea of what some of the emergencies are that hospitals face. So like I said, code blue is pretty much universally recognized as cardiac arrest or other medical emergency needing immediate attention. Uh-huh. Uh, code gray in most states refers to a combative person. Silver is someone with a weapon or a hostage situation. Uh, Pink is an infant or child abduction. Orange is a hazmat issue. Mm. Black is generally a bomb threat. Red is a fire. And some of these are slightly different in various states that add things like severe weather, disasters, or mass casualties to their list of codes. Uh, And... Recently, uh, many hospitals in the United States experienced what's known as a code dark, which is the code for cyber attacks, Oh wow! which is a growing issue and much scarier than we really think about because a lot of the machines that are being used in hospitals uh, can become subject to these of cyber course, attacks. I'm, and I'm certainly you don't want that to happen. Pretty sure in saying that there was a... Uh, a cyber attack on the NHS here in the last few years. I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah, I want to say that you're you're correct about that. Like I said, it's mm. becoming more and more of a problem. Um, so just on the pure basis of how many codes there are, we can see that there's a lot of threats that can happen in hospitals besides the stuff we expect to be there for. Uh, and for whatever reason, the maskist in me wants to know what these things are. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, I hate the idea of not being in control. And that's largely what we're talking about here. Like yes, you said, yes, you're super is. vulnerable here. Um, but I don't know, maybe by talking these out, we can make like little escape plans in our heads to feel better. That's a great uh, idea. So why don't you jump off from here, Marco? Tell, tell us about yeah. I mean, some shit. Uh, if, if we talk about shootings, right? I mean, mm. you know, mm. I know you've looked at this too, but... Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm I'm talking in the states, obviously, because guns, um, <laughs> health uh, shooting attacks in in healthcare settings in hospitals are actually not as rare as they ought to be. You know, it's no. it's healthcare uh, hospital setting is is frequently targeted. the 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 major difference is the the kind of the uh, the profile of the attacker. You don't just you know, whereas you can wander into a shopping mall, you can wander into a school, and start unloading. Um, hospital shooting attackers tend to be more uh, decisive. You know, it's a decision that they will have made, whether it's a beef with somebody, with a patient or with a doctor. Um, Some of the most common uh, reasons for hospital shootings are um, issues with a uh, a, a, a healthcare professional, so somebody who is is unhappy with the the care that they've received, euthanizing a patient is often you know yeah that's a wild one it just feels like there's a better way of doing that yeah right i mean but you know america um yeah between i mean if you want to know how common we're talking the i know we both ended up reading the same report but between between the year 2000 and 2011 have a guess, listener. Have a little guess. How many do you think? How many hospital-based shootings do you think there were in the States in the decade between 2000 and 2011? 154 is the answer. 154. So many shootings. A load. A fuck done, uh, in fact, leading to 235 dead or 
otherwise injured people. Um, this report was commissioned actually after a, a shooting at uh, the John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, uh, where a guy came in, shot a doctor, shot his mother, shot himself, um, which led to this study. Uh, pretty fucked. Yeah. Which also on the note of that one that you're bringing up, I thought that one of the interesting things from this study was that uh, the most common victim in these, uh, in 45% of the cases, the perpetrator dies. Yes. Not necessarily that they're the only one who die, but in 45% of these hospital shootings, the perpetrator also is killed. Yes. Yep. Uh, uh, an example of that, a cracking example of that, in fact, uh, took place on Valentine's Day of all days in 2020. Oh, sweet. Um, in a, uh, a medical center known as Rancho Mirage in California. Um, <laughs> a, a 63-year-old guy uh, called Walter Carter, who'd previously a few years back before it, um, had uh, spinal surgery by a doctor, Dr. Duffner from the hospital, who was, you know, a 30-year career as an orthopedic surgeon, well-liked. Um, uh in 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 Walter Carter's point of view he'd you know botched his back surgery this guy was in constant pain uh reportedly had a dependence on painkillers as you'd imagine mm-hmm. and he walked into Rancho Mirage Medical Center shot the doctor shot himself that's you know Jeez nice and straightforward please. that's what he did oh, oh, oh. i mean before before doing that he wrote like a harsh review on Yelp surgeon wow um, insult to injury i know but that 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 wasn't that didn't do it for him that didn't provide him the closure yeah. he needed uh, right so he felt he had to kill him jeez louise that mm. is wild i mean yeah the this is one i mean obviously we've talked before like it's just one of those weird american realities where it's like in any kind of situation there's like a like am i going to get shot here kind yeah. of which I, which I, I will never fucking get over. I will never fucking get over that reality. That's incredible. Right? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird one. Yeah. Um, and one the, of the, the problems country, they... the country that has pretty much all legalized weed, <laughs> right? A country yeah. that we should be so chill. You should. You should. <laughs> but I mean, by this, you know, just like we spoke about earlier on, a country that banned alcohol. Mm-hmm will still will will you know will yeah allow will this... will ban things like alcohol or being kinder able to you know, kinder surprise eggs or being able to choose the gender and name yes. that you go by and things yes. like that but like this is fine this is but totally we've, okay we've done episodes before about about how wrapped up and fucking complicated that whole gun lobby issue is it's, right. it's fucked yeah, it, exactly. it, it's 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 incredible that it's been that it that it's got to that stage. That it's been allowed to just be the way things are. Yeah, and the idea that this like happens like fairly often in hospitals uh-huh. is like very jarring. The one you know, if you're sitting here now, like, oh great, I got to worry about this in hospitals. I mean, generally these are very targeted. Is the thing. It's not yes. usually the case that someone comes in and just like shoots up a lobby. Sometimes people get kind of caught up in the crossfire, get shrapnel or something like this. But usually, there is like someone they are targeting um in these particular attacks um and, and it's terrible obviously i mean it's not going to make you feel a whole lot better <laughs> but uh you know one of the ones that i had come across happened in dallas and, and and one of the issues here 
like is that it is very difficult to predict or stop these even if you kind of see these things happening like even in the case of like where they called that code gray um instead of the code silver or whatever that is for like a armed person um just question why do they why don't they just get on the on the intercom and shout run everybody fucking run there's a gun probably because it's easier to say code gray i imagine and everyone knows what it means yeah (laughs) you don't want the patients to go fucking crazy you're trying to tell the people who work there like lock down your patients and things like that like what if all the patients are like run yeah Yeah, right (laughs) everybody gets up and goes like (laughs) not great you don't want to cause a panic so you use code what do we shoot all the guns into space (laughs) now there's an idea i can get behind (laughs) mark that's your answer to everything mate (laughs) Uh, um but yeah one of the things about this is like it's super difficult to like stop something like this when it's happening and like a lot of times when these shootings happening afterwards then they start like implement like oh we're gonna put more police in the hospital or like things like that when often like there's a cop standing right there or in fact that was one of the statistics in that thing did you see like a good chunk of the time the murder is committed with the security guard's gun that they managed oh, wow. to take no, off of the security that. guard. Um, I can't remember what the... Let me see if I have the um, statistic right here. I don't know if I do. But yeah, that was... Oh, here we go. Uh, in 23% of shooting, 23% of shootings, uh, the weapon was a security gu- officer's gun taken by the perpetrator. Well, well, well. So, yeah, it's one that of those kind of situations to the like, more guns argument, doesn't it? Right, yeah, exactly. Like these, twenty three percent of these shootings would not happen if yeah. some if a good guy with a gun was not present. Yeah, that's not great. A quarter of these <laughs> wouldn't have happened, um, and so you know it's it's hard to stop. It's hard to know what to do. Uh, certainly, I don't advocate for putting more cops into um, hospitals, especially since you know who would be targeted by those cops. Oh, realistically, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but in one case in Dallas, uh, the at the um, uh, Methodist Dallas Medical Center, uh, a man named Nestor Hernandez, who was 30, came in for the birth of his child. His girlfriend was pregnant and giving birth. And already sort of people reported that he'd been acting weird since he came in there. Like people were noticing he was really agitated. Um, he came in and he started accusing his girlfriend of cheating on him. Mm. Uh, he started searching the closet and bathroom for somebody else who might have been in the room. So it sounds like he was like having some sort of episode. Like yes, yes. that's not just simply like, oh, he genuinely thinks someone's cheating. Like he re- like there's something going on in his head. Uh-huh. Um, that is happening here. So he sat on a couch in the room and he said to his girlfriend, we're both going to die today. And whoever comes into this room is going to die with us. Um, And a few moments later, uh, one of the hospital employees came in um, and he stood up and he shot and killed that employee. Uh, And then another one was in the hospital, in the hallway and heard the gunshot uh, came and looked in the room saw the first victim on the floor and of course rushed in seeing the uh, bleeding out person on the floor and was also shot and killed um, so then there was an officer right there uh, when this happened who shot Hernandez in the leg um, 
and uh oh that he had been like also like hitting his girlfriend with the gun he didn't shoot her but he was like hitting her with it um and so he the child had been born was in the room was uninjured but these two people were killed and he was injured and arrested after this he wasn't killed in this particular situation but there was like there was a cop right there you know (laughs) like it what were they what was the response here and that's kind of one of the things with these situations is it's like you don't you don't know someone is they don't signal it to you you know uh, this a lot of hospitals have put metal detectors in place so when you come in in the first place they can see what you have on you mm-hmm. um, but obviously if they take the gun from a security guard it's not going to be a whole lot of help no certainly not i mean uh i i I can only talk about the gun issue in the States for a certain length of time before I become so exasperated by it. <laughs> right. I, you know, talk about kind of earlier on about, about having very deep set views on what is what is the right way to, to do things. Mm-hmm. For, coming from a country with no guns mm-hmm. or, or with, you know, super restricted gun right, uh, yeah. gun access, it, it just, it, it seems to work. <laughs> you know it, it, i don't know uh yeah i i it, it i i really can't go into it for long before i before my brain locks up at the fucking madness of the situation you have out there right yeah it's a it's a tricky one and like we t- you know talked about a couple of years ago when we kind of first had a conversation about this it's a complicated one even from you know someone like me who doesn't like guns Mm. um being an american like that i don't think that necessarily banning guns altogether is the right way to do it uh simply because of the way that's implemented and who ends up vulnerable as a result of Mm. you know who gets their guns taken away and who doesn't um in this country Mm. um you know and there's like i think obviously that goes back to sort of i think countries like ours that are built on revolution from countries like yours and yes. things like that are, it's yeah. harder for us to sort of be like, Oh yeah, things are just accomplished peacefully and you just go about things and you like yell at each other in Congress and everything's good. As opposed to like having more of a mindset, a little bit like France, <laughs> you know, where uh-huh. maybe you might need to fuck shit up, you know, yeah. throw them all yeah, yeah, job yeah, at somebody yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I, look, I, I get how, I get how, just there's thread after thread of the 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 psychology of your culture right is, yeah I, I you know and i want to thank you for 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 kind of over the past three years laying it out for me you know in <laughs> in a way that, that I've, I've really been able to grasp it there simply is no quick fucking answer to it right like you but can't just seems... be like all right well it's against the law now no uh... but what but <laughs> like... But what seems to be happening instead is nothing. Right. Like, that's the real problem is, like, just complete, like, gridlock on it because it's how do you get past those mm. things, especially when you have a Supreme Court full of constitutional originalists who think yes. as it's written is how it has to be and all that yes, kind of yes. stuff. But, yeah, it's a country with millions and millions and millions more guns than there are people. It is very difficult <laughs> to mm. try to uh you know put the lid back on that uh yeah i mean shootings are by no means the only fucking thing to no yeah to something yeah some things can be uh less nefarious 
let's say, but still terrifying. Mm. Uh, and if, a thing everyone knows that I, I mentioned earlier, even that I'm terrified of, is fire. It's been my nightmare oh, uh, my entire life. <laughs> um, and what's super cool is fires in healthcare settings are a lot more common than I like to think for my peace of mind. In fact, according to the Occupational Health and Safety blog, hospitals are among the most common places for fire to occur. And the National Fire Protection Association says that fully 9% of all fires reported in the United States are hospitals. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. How much? 9%. That's nearly 1 in 10 fires is in a hospital. That's vast. What? Uh, <laughs> like, um, that is an insane amount of fires in hospitals. Let's take our second trip to 1929 of the week. If, if, yes. if, if Can I, may. just before you do that, just mm. quickly run down why this happens and then you oh, can yeah, tell go your ahead. story. Yeah, please, please, please. Yeah, just, as a, uh, just quickly, I just want to tell you what the reasons for this number being so high are. Uh, so causes of hospital fires, electrical equipment, lots of that in a hospital, kitchen facilities. Obviously, every hospital yeah, sure, has sure, a kitchen, sure. so yep, I get that. lots of stuff to be burning. Um, then cigarettes is <laughs> a huge one of them. Uh, specialized. Know, it, I, oh, go ahead. One of the things that that's so dispiriting, it actually makes me chuckle. Right, one of the, some of the things, one of the things which is such a dark and fucking ugh, horrible sight to see, <laughs> but but for some reason I just react to it with a giggle. Is, you know, whenever I'm visiting a hospital or, you know, when uh, I, I remember it particularly when Laura and I were having our first kid, when we were having Peter and we would go in for, you know, classes and whatnot. And there's there's always a fucking group of people outside the hospital smoking, man. Yes, always. And, always. you know, people in wheelchairs with a fucking cigarette yeah. on. Of course, going down there for, uh, you know, pregnancy related issues, you sometimes would see the double banger of somebody pregnant and smoking outside of a <laughs> right. hospital. That's, that's a fucking, you know, ding, 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 bonus. Yikes. Yep. Um, yeah, if you can't even put it, sites. like, put it away at the place where you're going to be most judged for it, mm, you know, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so also specialized medical equipment because a lot of those have high-powered energy output lasers and yes, things indeed. like that in mm. them. Hand sanitizers uh, are amongst yeah, the sure. things, yeah. They're highly flammable. Um, so several of, several hospital fires have been caused by improper storage or use of hand sanitizer. Uh-huh. It's cool. Gas cylinders and medical oxygen yes, are yes, yes. amongst things that cause a lot of stuff. Anesthesia mas- machines, which I don't like to think about being flammable. Just, I'm already super uneasy about anesthesia, so don't love that. Um, extension cord daisy chains, just like in our house, doctors oh. do the same fucking shit. Plug Plugging way plug too many things. And yep. also, you've got shit <laughs> plugs out there. We, we do, yes. You really <laughs> do. do. You've got like, plugs. you've got third world plugs, just two prongs, yeah. plug them in, plug them out, no safety at all. <laughs> That's, I mean, not entirely. I mean, we, most of our plugs, if they were made in the last 40 years, are three prong. <laughs> but oh, okay, okay, an okay. ancient house like mine, yes, two prong all over the place. Uh, so yeah, not great. Um, don't want to be daisy chaining those. Inadequate fire training, mm. of course. Um, storage of combustible materials. Well, faulty or more poorly maintained fire safety sy- systems, uh, and heating equipment. Those are our top causes that make it so nine percent of fires in the U.S. are happening in hospitals. 
lots to worry about there. Um, yeah, tons. Picking up on storage of combustible <laughs> materials, right? Sure. Uh, back to 1929, May mm-hmm. the 15th, right, in Cleveland, uh, uh, a hospital in Cleveland called the Cleveland Clinic, uh, which is, by all accounts, a fantastic hospital. It's often getting ranked as uh, in the top five hospitals in the entire country in the U.S. Um. So on May the 15th, 1929, it was busy. Uh, lots of maintenance staff, doctors, nurses, patients, administration staff. And on that particular day, the uh, a room in the basement had developed a leak, a steam leak, right? A steam a pipe um, was heating or what had uh, began a leak. They had a repairman in that morning at 9am, uh, stripping off insulation from a pipe. He then left the room to turn off the steam so that the pipe would cool so that he can work on it. Sure. Uh, you didn't come back until 11 o'clock to see mayhem. Because you see, that room, that room was where they stored the X-ray archive. Okay? Okay. X-ray archive, which was printed on celluloid or nitrocellulose film, right? Okay, yeah. And there was a fuck ton of it. We're talking uh, at, at, at minimum... The, the minimum estimate was that there were 4,200 pounds oh, of wow. celluloid in that room, right? Okay. couple of quick facts about celluloid. It's flammable as fuck, right? Great. Excellent. Oh, yeah. And when it burns, not only does it continue burning when wet. Oh, wow. Celluloid will continue to burn underwater, believe it or not. Wow. And it also releases... Super fucking toxic gas when it burns. Great. Right? <laughs> awesome, we are talking yeah. carbon monoxide, nitric oxide, methyl chloride, phosgene, which is the stuff that escaped uh, after that chemical plant fuck up in India. Um, yeah, Bhopal. So the geezer comes back at 11 o'clock to find a fucking huge miasma of death in this room, right? <laughs> a poison cloud of burning celluloid in this room. Um there was then a, a, an explosion which occurred when he was trying to put this out with a fire extinguisher, which threw him clean on the room and started oh, to wow. pump this fucking gas around the hospital, right? Oh, uh, no. It went through ventilation shafts. It went through plumbing and absolutely went all... Batman to the place. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, and the fucking death toll, man. Victims were suffocating super quickly. Their faces turning like yellow and brown from the fucking horrific gas. Um Christ. You know, uh, nobody fucking knew how to put this fire out. They were just dumping water on it, which generated more smoke. There were two more huge explosions, which gutted the fucking hospital and pushed this gas. Uh, 123 dead. Wow. 123 dead. 92 other major injuries. Um, Yeah. Many of the dead were found in stairwells, you know, as they were trying to make their escape. Right, yeah. Uh, and they never quite zeroed in on what the the cause was. Was it, you know, inadvertent kind of contact with a light bulb? Was it a, a rogue cigarette? Was it the you know contact with steam from the broken steam pipe? Um, but yeah, killed 123 people, man, due to burning fucking pounds, thousands of pounds of burning celluloid. I don't like it, Mark. Nah, you shouldn't. There's nothing there to like. Very little there to get invested in, is there? Yeah, and I mean, I was just, you know, kind of thumbing through various articles and stuff like that. And and, and amongst them, like, the idea, like, there was one um, that happened 
like in I think it was Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, uh, but it was yeah, it was like literally like someone smoking with their like oxygen tank. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yes, yeah. that's like, the best one. Just, that's the right? best one. If you've got to take a gas mask <laughs> off to have a you know to have a drag on your right. cigarette, right? Yeah, it said uh, the the fire may have been sparked as a result of a patient attempting to light a cigarette while on oxygen. Yeah, uh, and it it caused a um. A fire that injured only, thankfully, five of the employees of that hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, it, it's the idea not only of something like, I don't know, that are, are x-rays still printed on the same thing now? Uh, like, do they're, they... still, they're still printed on, like, uh, an acetate kind of material, but it's mm-hmm. it's been refined ever since. You know, it's not Right, it's and not I'm sure they store it differently. Yeah, differently. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. right. So, One day I hope you know. to see... Uh, a pregnant woman with a gas tank smoking a cigarette. I would say. Right, yeah. That's the best. <laughs> Maybe one a there. cocktail on top of it. You know, <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Really nice. drive it home. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like how like just dumb some of this stuff is, you know, like mm. smoking a cigarette with your oxygen thing or just like storing something wrong. Yes. Um, you know, these like very simple, like how I think that's the thing is like probably all of us have like daisy chain to plug or something when we shouldn't. Oh, um, the room I'm in right now has got plugs <laughs> on plugs in plugs. <laughs> Fucking hell. See, the nice thing is, you know, our terrible electric in this mm. house that needs to be redone makes it so that I'm very careful not to do that. But Good. one day there was a plug with nothing in it and I put my foot against it and it electrocuted me. And I was like, ooh, oh, man, that's not great. Um, a so... couple of times on the cast, I've said how <laughs> physical memory of pain is is strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't you can't recall the sensation of pain by yeah. You always say that, it. and I don't know why you think that. <laughs> well, the the one uh, maybe it's just me. I don't know, but but the one exception for me is I, I electrocuted myself quite badly once um, by uh, I, I was trying to unplug an amp, and the back of the plug came away in my hand, exposing the wires, and I didn't I didn't really think it through, and I just grabbed the wires <laughs> and tried to pull those out, and it fucking electrocuted the shit out of me. And my right. hand got stuck. It was fucking horrible. And thinking about that actually causes me to go into goosebumps. And I and I it's yeah. happening right now. And I I can I can recall the the physically recall the sensation. It was horrible. I feel like this has to be like I'm a topic in and, in and of itself because like you have said this several times that you don't like you're always like oh pain is not a thing that you can like remember like make a you memory can't. of or I, whatever I, I believe that you can't but like that doesn't I, I mean everything is that if you think of it that way like if i have a smell memory like oh, technically yeah, I, can I can't smell it i don't have a mind's eye i don't see something when i remember something like you can't remember anything in a literal sense everything is a sensation in one way or another so there's no reason to think you can't recall a sense everything is that yes i completely agree (laughs) and so i don't know i think that's an interesting thought though like there's it's got to be something like the fact that you always say that like just (laughs) makes me think about like what do we how do we understand memory in a like somatic sense in a body sense you know that we kind of I don't know that there's things that we think make sense to remember to remember or whatever and others that like somehow we don't think the same way about. I don't know. I think that's interesting. Yes. One to one to talk about offline. I feel. One to think of at some point. Maybe that's a question for Eileen. And for the record, Eileen, you also have a request coming to come back for a big topic for our dear friend Sam 
as okay. well. So just know, you know, you'll be here soon. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to have another Baffin episode because I love them. They're one of my favorites. Yeah, Baffin episodes are, are amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's... But listen, let's just end on a positive note here, right? Oh, sure, you yeah, Probably You probably won't get shot or burned to death in hospital. It's true. You'll probably get better. Yeah, I think. There you go. See, at least I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say, anyone listening to this podcast, you're gonna get better if you end up at the hospital. Yep, and not shot. Naming it and claiming it. Beautiful. Nobody will shoot you. That'd be great. Um, maybe I, I think that we, we probably have like at least one more hospital horror in us, but we'll, we'll convene about this and figure out, uh, whether we continue our series or, or that's it. But, um, if you have a subject of hospital horror that we haven't broached yet, honestly, we haven't talked about like, like murderous doctors and things like that yet. We broached nurses and that kind of angel of death thing, but we haven't actually like discussed Mm. murders by your doctors and stuff like that oh, so I, I don't I know de- i definitely feel we've got another one of these in the tank yeah we've definitely got at least one more uh hospital horror in in the tank so yeah give us your your feedback on that and whatnot and any other random questions we have asked throughout this people need to like take notes on this to remember what they have oh, to yeah. like, <laughs> all the questions definitely. we asked them throughout the episodes um but if there is something that was brought up and you have thoughts, feelings, concerns, questions, and so forth, please do hit us up. We're on Blue Sky, jackofallgraves.com. We are at uh, Facebook, Jack of All Graves, Instagram, Jack of All Graves, um, you know, all those places. We love to hear from you. Thanks again to uh, the Emo Dragon and all of our other Ko-Fi supporters. We are so pleased for you. Look out for our new stuff coming out this week, including Mark's reading. Join us on Saturday for our watch along, which should be a grand old time. If you have a, if you have any suggestions for return movies, do let us know. Yeah. Um, anything else? Nah, Dearest Marco? Just stay well, stay happy. And stay spooky. Ooh.